shot first. Come on, grab your friends. We're gonna talk about Star Wars and stuff with Connor Oled and Andrew Roman. The fun will never end. Greeter shot first. Hey, Andrew. Yes, Connor. Well, first of all, I need to apologize. And why would that be? Because recently I was watching uh, Return of the Jedi while I was cleaning, and uh, I actually, like, I put down whatever I was doing, whether I was sweeping or folding clothes, I forget what I was doing, but I know Eva was involved, and <laughs> she was, like, in mid-conversation with me, and I was like, I stopped her and watched the TV intently, because I was like, here comes Luke into Jabba's palace, and I had to watch and see what Luke did to the Gamorrean guards, because we, we argued about this a little bit. Yes, yes, we did. I'm mad that I was wrong. <laughs> I, I, all right. So clearly, if you look at the if you look at the at the gameplay footage, right, uh, there is a point where like it's not so much that Luke does the you know the finger pinching like Vader does, right. yes, but it's just the subtle push, yes. And they go to like the Gamorians go to their throats like they are being constricted. So he's probably like not only is he just like choking them, but mm. he's actually like just crushing their windpipes with. <laughs> Like a force push or something. Yeah, if if they would have like collapsed onto the wall and like you know slid down the wall or something like that, that would maybe add more to the you know to what it was. Uh-huh. But again, like I said, you're talking about a guy. Like I, I I anytime I watch the you know the special editions anymore, it's always like I kind of skip forward through all the you know all the ramblings and all that kind of stuff in Jabba's palace. Yeah, and for the most part, it's like as soon as the musical cue happens, you get through that, and then you get through everything else. But I just never paid attention to it. <laughs> it's like you, you know, we always say, you know, you have it in the background, and you just you know what happens. Yeah. You never think about it. But you brought that up to me, and I was, I had it on in the background, but I was like, no, <laughs> I need to watch this and find out what happens. So, yeah, I think the Gaborians got <laughs> choked out. That's it. Mm. Luke's on the verge. He was on the verge. Well, that's just another thing. We're gonna have to talk about this when we actually do, you know, our reviews and everything. But it's like, gonna be a long time from now. <laughs> hopefully, a little far away. Yes. But still, I don't know. I just there's so much to talk about in this. But let's not tiptoe around it. Let's just jump right into it. Uta puta, everybody. Hello and welcome to Greedy Shot First. My name is Connor. I'm Andrew, and we are here to talk Star Wars, all things Star Wars, and anything even friggin' related. Star Wars. Like uh, Luke choking Gamorrean guards. Right. For no reason. For no reason other than they were just in his way. Like, he couldn't just, like, put a suggestion to their head. I'm, like, maybe they I'm, should be somewhere else. Yes. I mean, I'm sure they are susceptible to force suggestion. I'd have to think they're not, so. You know, they're just guards that don't exactly seem like they're brimming with intelligence. No. If anything, I think what's, like, the Gamorreans are prized for is just their um, their loyalty. Yes. You know, whoever is the highest bidder, so so to speak, like they're loyal to them, more or yes. less, which makes them big for gangsters and whatnot to be hired on. But, ah, oh, man, like I said, just watching that killed me. I was like, no, man. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it kind of leads into what they were trying to do with Return of the Jedi and where yes. they thought it was going to be. Because it was always like, oh, well, Luke's just tipping on the verge now. And I mean, to be fair, like, you know, no one really taught him the rules. Right. I mean, they tried to. But yeah. then, you know, and then like... <laughs> he wasn't exactly a, a super receptive uh, <laughs> pupil. Basically, because Ben tries to teach him something, and then Ben dies. And then freaking Yoda tries to teach him something, makes him, you know, feel self-conscious. And then he just runs and off the best bun. Yeah, yeah. best bun. And presumably he goes back in between the, you know, episodes five and six to 
complete his training, so to speak. But that's a whole other topic for another day. The big topic for today, we are doing the long-anticipated review of Alphabet Squadron by Alexander Freed. Ooh, I'm excited about this. Yes. Are you excited about it? I'm very excited about it. <laughs> oh man, I know. It's just I uh, I've been going through it more today. I, I I really just want to hear what your thoughts are on it and everything like that, and just kind of jump onto it. I don't know. Yeah, but no, I, I agree. I mean, I well, we'll we'll save it. <laughs> <laughs> I have thoughts though. I guess all right. is all I'll say. Yeah, I have thoughts too. So and I we mean, genuinely like haven't talked about it with one another like at all. No, like, well, that's just it. Yeah, it's the hard part of this show is because yeah. like. Did you read it? Yeah. yeah. Good. D- don't say anything. Yeah. Save it. Save it. <laughs> Keep it to yourself. So yeah. yeah, it's like, all right. All but right. like, I don't know that we've always done a great job with that. Like, I feel like <laughs> some of the other stories, like Master and Apprentice even, like, I kind of oh, feel yeah. like we talked about more, like, just, off air, and then we recorded it. It's and, like, we, we lost all the A material. Yeah. Because <laughs> we never had the mics going. That, so Yes. Oh, man. But hey, I'll tell you what. Let's do some more A material right now. Let's do a little bit of Star Wars news, shall we? This is like the A and the AB pattern of the show. Basically. Yes. We're going right into it. So Writing let's just... a song here. <laughs> Let's just go into the chorus then. Uh, however it works. I don't well, know. I, I would consider this the verse. The verse? Okay. First verse. There's a chance that the original theatrical release of A New Hope exists. It might make a return to theaters thanks to the Disney-Fox merger recently. Did you hear about this? I have heard about this. So you know what the whole spiel is? Like you read the article I sent you? Yes. All yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, I guess to summarize it very briefly... Mm-hmm. Um, there was some kind of special showing that just was somewhere in Los Angeles. I don't really remember what the circumstances were. I think it was like a film school. It was it like be. they were they were showing like a, the 70 millimeter, like the actual like theatrical yeah. release. And from what they said, the only thing that was actually changed in the film uh-huh. was the fact that it was titled A New Hope. Yeah, episode Other- four, A New Hope. Exactly. Otherwise, Which, it just says Star Wars. Yeah. Which technically, I think what they have said further is that that makes it the 1981 re-release. Technically. Right. So it's still not like the 1977 true original, but the film itself is totally unaltered. The only thing they did was, you know, once episode five, The Empire Strikes Back came out, yeah. then they did a re-release of the first film. And We're like, oh, yeah, it's called this. Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we've said it before, you know, before Empire Strikes Back, it was just Star Wars. Yes. That's all it was. Yeah. It, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, yeah, it's the Star Wars gang, you know. But, yeah, so... They, you know, people got a real treat out of it, and people were tweeting as much as like, "I never thought I would actually see this in my, you know, in my life, like yeah. this theatrical release again." And I got to see it, and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And so, what I, so what makes it exciting is the fact that like one of the big things about them not releasing the unaltered cuts of movies in the first place was the fact that 20th Century Fox owned the original cut. Right. The original theatrical release of A New Hope. Yes. So there was no, like, there was, like, big stipulations, like, since Disney actually owns the franchise now, like, Star Wars franchise, you know, everyone was just like, well, you got to do it. You know, you have the special editions, you have this, you have that, you know, it's, why not? It's perfect sense. Yeah, make us all happy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it was just like, I'm sure that they wanted to try and do it, because they, you know, they love making a buck and whatnot, but it's like, why, you know? Did you hear the news today? Ooh. Uh, Disney has already set the record for revenues by one production uh, studio Ooh. in a calendar year, and it's July. 
Is it? And more? there's Star Wars coming out at the end of the year. Oh yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I guess it's Marvel doing that, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So it's mostly Marvel. Then you have the Aladdin remake. You have Dumbo. You have Lion uh, King. Lion King. Right. All of which were like number one at one point or another. Yeah. So. Wow. Plus that's... the four Marvel. Yeah. Three Marvel movies that will come out this year. Yeah, that's true. I and think like, I just saw it. Well, I mean, so Spider Man hit billion. Yeah, Spider Man for the first time topped a billion. And then and, uh, Avengers did it. Yeah, they did it. They kicked Avatar's butt. Yeah, they thought it was unobtainium, but realized it was vibranium. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's true. I don't know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm trying to make some kind of reference. Well, I, I like that. It was vibe. It was. Wakandan vibranium instead of unobtainium. Yeah, which was like Pandoran (laughs) unobtainium. I can believe that, Uh, but that's cool, man. Like so, yeah. So, all right. To get back at it, it makes perfect sense, right? Yes. So the whole reason that they couldn't actually produce it in the first place was because it was owned by 20th Century Fox. But now we know that Fox has merged with Disney. Like they have bought them out, and most of the assets from Fox and like the film and TV and everything are coming over to Disney. Thus, with that. The actual theatrical cut, which is under the you know the laws of 20th century, should now technically be in the hands of Disney. Of Disney, yeah. So if that's the case, does that mean that they also have unaltered versions of you know Empire and Return of the Jedi? I would certainly think so. Yeah. Will we actually see a beakless Sarlacc once again? <laughs> that's uh, a weird. That's a weird question. I don't know. Sidebar. What do you uh, feel about the be- the beak? Um, like it's not the most audacious addition. Yeah. Well, I well I agree. I mean, in the pantheon of like changes that I hate mm-hmm. in the special editions, that one is not up there. I yeah. Mean, it's, to me, it's almost like the ones that I kind of am like, yeah, that's fine. Like, you know, some of the subtle, like the you know, there's more Wampa in Empire. Yeah. Is one change like the big scene from A New Hope is yes. a change that yeah. like I personally like. <laughs> Um, and that's kind of in that might be like my favorite change from Return of the Jedi because I do think it actually looks a little more compelling. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, versus just a circle in the ground, yeah. right? You know, and I mean, it kind of adds to the grievance of like, well, there's no way this person's getting out now, yeah, because it's not like they just fell straight down into a barren yeah, hole, n- like, yeah, it's, now they're it's actually, actually a like, mouth, yeah. <laughs> well, so that's making me think, just like, you know, if we when we uh eventually get to four, five, and six, we should go over like add to our questions, so to speak, because yes. I, 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 we've already kind of established questions. <laughs> favorite for... special edition change. <laughs> Why not? Favorite, least, least favorite. favorite. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like we could we could add some meat to the bones on that, you know, yeah. in that conversation or whatever. Yes. But still, um, I mean, this makes me excited. I'd love for, I mean, I'd love for it to come back to theaters. Mm-hmm. I mean, let alone, you know, get the despecialized version on Blu-ray or whatever. Right. Even if it was DVD, I'd still get it. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that would be the issue. I think if it if they do it at all, like it'll you know obviously be available on the latest and greatest file format. Truth. Well, all good things, but yeah. yeah. So it's just something to keep you know keep your ear to the ground and yeah. I do of- think that I've I've heard something about like you know part of it is like there are still other rights holders like it's not like everything is tied to 20th Century Fox. Because, I mean, if it were really just up to 20th Century Fox, they probably would have done it over the years. Come on. Yeah, if they want a piece of the pot, like, that's the way to do it. Yeah. But, I mean, it might be that now, like, a company like Disney that literally is just printing money (laughs) uh, is probably bigger than, like, the, the gross domestic product of, like, 
half of the world at least. It's it's kind of ridiculous, but <laughs> um, I mean that's just it. They're a yeah. powerhouse. Yeah, they they might have a little bit more pull with some of those others other right hold rights holders that mm. uh, you know are are looking for <laughs> a little extra padding in their pocket or whatever. I'm waiting for the day where it's like you know you see the you know the Disney business plan and like the 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 statistics on like what's their you know the most profitable right uh-huh. and so it's gonna go like number one let's just say Marvel for right now since well, that's like that's Marvel. the big right yeah. then number two Star Wars number three National Geographic <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, yes I mean if National Geographic could hold up with the two big boys like that it would yes. be so happy yeah. I mean, we need we need some more you know nature documentaries out yeah. there and whatnot we need more like Steve Irwin type characters I Bear would, Grylls yeah. I would imagine it's probably Pixar, but that's besides the point. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, this is the fictitious <laughs> the, land that we yeah. live in. And the ROI, I think, on Pixar is probably even better because it's like they still spent, you know, billions to acquire Marvel and Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, they've made billions. Yeah. And, but... and, and yeah, it, it's just they're making them, they're making back what they paid and thus more. Yeah. And way more after yeah. that. There was like an infographic about Marvel in <laughs> specific, like coming out of Comic-Con and coming yeah. out of End- Endgame getting the record. And it was like the four billion dollar investment they made in Marvel Cinema or like Marvel Studios mm-hmm. is netted over twenty billion just in like theater wow. sales, which is incredible. Yeah, so I mean, good on them. Uh, all right, let's let's move off from Disney a little bit. I mean, uh, kinda. I say a little bit, but. Um, San Diego Comic Con 2019 is wrapped up recently. Yes, and Marvel did take the cake in new material. I mean, they, the <laughs> Hall H. Yeah, I mean, it, with one hour they changed the face of history. Well, they really like. did. I mean, I, I'm <laughs> shocked by like, you know, some of the the new cho- you know choices that they've made in terms of what is going to be featured. Like bold statements. Yeah, through and through. Yeah, I mean. Stuff like Shang-Chi and... Oh, the Ten Rings or whatever. Yeah. Like I like the idea of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Eternals. The, the Eternals, that's going to be the most interesting, I feel like. I mean, first of all, that's going to start us off. Right. You know. Well, actually, no. I think it was, it's Black Widow's going to start us well, off. Well, yeah. I think Black Widow's going to start us off. But, like, it's not it's truly like going to... Like, it will be counted as part of Phase 4, but it's not yeah, actually it's, part of Phase 4. It's like a prequel. Yeah. You know? Think about like how uh, Captain Marvel was a period piece, right? You know, let's say it's kind of that. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see, and then obviously uh, all the TV shows that are coming out. Yeah. Those are going to be interesting to see how they pull off. Well, they they have like I, I was telling you this, Connor, over the weekend we were just talking. Right. Yeah. Okay. That I had just finished the final season of Jessica Jones, and it kills me because I have yet to start it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like. You know, kind of going from what, you know, that show is like and what all of those like Marvel Netflix uh, Defenders universe kind of shows were like mm-hmm. to the notion that, oh, yeah, we're going to have like the robot arm guy and the flying Captain America in a show together. Yeah. It's <laughs> like on work. a TV show. Yeah. Is like, OK, this is a much different scale. It really is. Like It's sounding like they're, you know, they're going to be using that Mandalorian budget template a lot. I would have to think so. And I mean, to that end, when we were talking about how Mandalorian and everything was going to work out, you know, I think the way I put it was like, when it comes to Star Wars, like the the galaxy itself is just so vast that like, it's plausible to make something out of nothing yeah, and fit it kind of snugly into what canon is now for Star Wars. Yeah. Whereas Marvel, it almost feels like too fine. Yeah. It's going to be tight. I mean, and I think there's, 
you're gonna have issues. Yeah, I, I, so. I have I have every faith in them to figure it out. And I've you know we we said as much about like the Defender series and everything, and like even Agents of Shield. Like it may not be up there. I mean, Agent Carter stuff like that. Like it may not be up there in the in the annals of like the actual MCU itself. But like in terms of quality, I mean, people love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love it. And so I, I'm 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 interested to see how they pull pull that off and throw it into it. But. It's enough of Marvel. We've talked about Marvel. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're really talking. I feel like this is increasingly becoming like a Star Wars and Marvel <laughs> podcast. You know, you know. I mean, <laughs> I mean they have the exclusive uh, distribution for comics. So why not? Yeah, we have to talk about Marvel if we have to talk about Star Wars. Yeah, but it just depends on how much time we spend on each one. That's all. But regardless, uh, Star Wars, however, at at San Diego Comic Con had its own field day with uh, new exclusive collectibles. Such a collectible, yeah, 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 yeah. Such collectibles include things like a porcelain Queen Amidala, a Governor Tarkin bronze bust, and a screen-accurate Boba Fett helmet. Mm. So, I mean, there's just tons of stuff to go on in here. I mean, it's ridiculous. There's, there's a lot of art pieces and everything like that. But let's just talk about the three that I brought up. Sure. So, I mean, obviously, uh, the screen-accurate Boba Fett helmet I mean, that would be right up your alley. That's right up my alley. <laughs> Probably right out of my budget, though. Oh, for sure. <laughs> well, that's just it. I mean, we always talk about, like, Mandalore the United and, like, the actual Mando core and stuff like that. These groups of cosplayers that are really amazing and talented people. Yeah. But, like, you know, <clears throat> if you want to try and do, like, a screen-accurate uh, Boba Fett, like, you have to be very meticulous with it. Yeah. Because it's not so much like it's a black suit with a white tie. It's like, all right, you know... This his cape has to be the right shade of tan, and like yeah. the hair can't be brown. It's got to be like straight blonde or something yes, like that. Yes. You know, <laughs> the, the, the dent in his helmet's got to be right with a, just a, just the right amount of like, you know, missing paint and whatnot. So there's a lot going into it. Yeah, and I mean to to actually look at the Boba Fett helmet itself on you know on the article is I mean it looks great, uh-huh. and it's like a side by side comparison as well of like what the actual helmet looks like versus. What they're going to be what producing. Looks like, yeah. So, did they say like who was making it? They said. Let me actually double check here because I know they had had a name. I want to say. Uh, where the heck are you? Oh yes, here we go. Uh, it's Brian Ono of EFX Collectibles. Okay. Uh, so uh, yeah, he's a uh, he's a. Uh, Let's see here. EFX Collectibles, he made a screen-accurate version of Boba Fett's helmet by first creating a cast of the original prop, then painstakingly adding hundreds of paint layers to get just the right texture of battle-scarred <laughs> bucket. Like, come on. That's yeah. called dedication, man. Yeah. And so, I mean, like, in this day and age of, like, you know, 3D printing and everything like that, where it's just as easy to throw something into that printer and have it pop out, like, you know, for someone to take as much time as they do and just, like, meticulously give this detail like you could tell that they're just true fans yeah but i just i actually finally just opened the, the link myself and it is just like <laughs> it's it's like it's embarrassingly I, good yeah it's, i don't know because you're just drooling over there pretty much yeah i don't <laughs> like i don't have like the appropriate words to like talk about how much i love that well can i talk about how much i would love the next item personally yes the governor tarkin bronze bust yes right now so i'm not a bust man <laughs> that that sounds wrong. <laughs> All right, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to say anything. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Uh, moving on. Uh, I'm not usually a statue man. Uh-huh. I should say, uh, but um, just the idea of having like the sinister visage of Governor Tarkin. Yeah. Just, 
either up on your, you know, the mantle of your fireplace or just in the corner of like the entry hall or something like that. Because it could just be like you're having your guests over or whatever, and like they're all having a great time, just excited for dinner. And then they turn the corner to put the coat down, and it's just that dead stare. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I thought I smelled you when I came aboard, or whatever, yes. <laughs> whatever the phrase is, you I know. But like, I smelled your foul stench. <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, when I heard about when I read about this, it actually made me think about when you were talking about. Um, Galaxy's Edge. You said yes. that they had... Yeah, they had busts there. There was a guy, like you said, they had like a card of him or something like yeah. that, right? Yeah. So. I still kind of feel like he was probably in a, a park employee. Although, more... <laughs> I mean, so what's kind of happened since... Uh, in, in more recent times, now that it has opened to the public, they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, they can't keep things on the shelves. Like, like they're having major supply issues. Oh, yeah. And not to mention that people are actually kind of like just jack and stuff. Well, yeah. People have been stealing things from... The restaurants and like the flight cards from the Millennium the, Falcon ride. Yeah, I was gonna say I've heard that it's like there's like a black market out there now for Star Wars memorabilia. Yeah, which is like it's, like it's ridiculous. Well, it is ridiculous, especially because like I can't imagine it's gonna last that long. Like, oh no no no! I mean we're you know we're basically a month away from it opening in uh, Walt Disney World and like it's gonna be bigger. I mean, yeah. I mean it's I mean, it's already taken you know taken the world by storm in a sense. Yeah, and I mean it's it's been exclusive. For only a short amount of time <clears throat> enough time to actually get people hyped though yeah so i mean I, i'd have to hope that it would die down but yeah like then that's exactly why they do this thing is to really study how much of this material they're gonna need like what sells what doesn't yeah you know well just that i mean the of all the stuff you were showing me that was for sale like i feel like the one item that they still have plenty of is that bassoon yeah uh, <laughs> not the max Rebo. Corn. um uh, figure and Dan yeah. was playing. Figure yeah, and Dan in the middle notes. Oh my god! So I mean, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, they might be out of like you know Governor Tarkin busts or whatever, but yeah, if you still want a bassoon or yeah, uh, that one, yeah, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I feel like that like a Governor Tarkin one would be especially funny because like I mean I think the other ones I mean the ones that were available at the time I think were like Luke, mm-hmm. uh, Palpatine and Vader. Yes, and like I think you know obviously like Palpatine and Vader. Like, you would know what they are. And then, yeah. like, if you look at Luke, like, I feel like most people are going to recognize, like, oh, Luke Skywalker. For the most part. Um, but, like, I just feel like there'd be something funny about, like, oh, yeah, that's my grandpa. Right. Gra- yeah. Grandpa Will. <laughs> Will Hoff. Uh, but, yeah, because he's, like, I mean, like, he has such a sharp, angular face. And yeah. And just that, that like, yeah. sweep of hair and everything. I don't yeah. know. Like, he's, like I said, it's he's a very all- distinctive presence. Yes, exactly. And, like. So I mean, it goes back to the that podcast I told you about. I think last time we got together, the Inside Star Wars, like they did a little section on um, the actor who played uh, Governor Tarkin. I cannot remember Peter, the guy's name. Peter right. Cushing. Peter Cushing, right? And they were just talking about like he was like he was the man to go to when it came to like horror and stuff yeah. like that. But in he, all honesty, he was like the super sweet guy. Yeah. So, he did a lot of work with Christopher Lee yes. on like all of those British horror films from the fifties and sixties. Right. So I mean that's cool. Yeah. But yeah, and then like it turns out he's just a super sweet bro, but like at the same time he has that hard face that like Yeah. And now to this day it's like you see that face and it's like that's evil. Yeah, that face is like synonymous with <laughs> like it's probably like the most evil just normal human appearance that I can like think of. Oh my God. Or like a character that actually like kind of gives me chills whenever I, you know, 
I see him. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that. Yes, that's 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 really perfect. And especially like I, you come across him in like different books that you read and different comic books. Let alone, uh, he had his own like one-off comic that come out recently, and that story was just insane. It was about him like interrogating the uh, operators of the Death Star, essentially all the people who were involved in the quote-unquote pushing of the button. Because uh-huh. I mean. I think the way they described it, it's, it's kind of like a you know how they have the firing squad where it's like you know everyone but one person has a bullet or something like that, and it's like you never know if you actually had the bullet or if you had the blank. And this is the same idea. There's so many people down the line to actually fire this weapon that no one's really sure who actually quote unquote fires it. Uh-huh. You know, so and then like he's just instilling this fear and like you will not hesitate, you will do this, you will do that, yada yada yada. I don't know. It's a great little story, but uh, I mean, other than that, the uh, like they said, there's there's tons of cool stuff. And like the first item they brought up was the porcelain Queen of Naboo doll. And let's see here, it's limited to only a thousand pieces, and like it's called a work of art by the creator himself. And if you look at this thing, like this is one of those things where it's like you need a glass case to keep it safe. You yeah. do not want to crush it. Yeah, the level of detail is like pretty pretty stunning. I'd be impressed if they could actually light the bulbs or for that matter, have the extension. Cord. I hope it has a power cord, but you can clearly see and they never edit it out. Oh man. Yeah. So I mean, then uh, I mean, a few other ones that they really brought up besides the porcelain doll. I mean, there's a, there's a new Darth Maul uh, with uh, and it's coming out. Uh, it's like a collectible. It's like one sixth collectible. They also had the Sith Trooper collectible. The mall does, for whatever it's worth, look like it would be a post Phantom Menace. Oh no, mall. it totally is. Yeah, if you look he has at the legs, robotic legs. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think the lightsaber too is the. Uh, it's like that haft. <coughs> yeah, like the uh, Inquisitor one. I think. Yeah, well, yeah, but I can't that's remember. what's his organization called. Oh, Crimson Dawn. Crimson Dawn. Right, yeah. yeah. Okay, it's like the half-visage of it. That makes yeah. perfect sense. But yeah, that's interesting. And then, obviously, like I said, they have the Sith Trooper Sith there. Sith Trooper, yeah. We talked about that last time. Because, I mean, yeah, the Sith Troopers made a big deal. They also had some really unique artwork uh, yeah. of all the different characters. The one they put on display was called Ray, Descendant of Light. Uh, and then, I mean, there's going to be just tons of other stuff going on. I like this desk that they have. Right. There's a desk. 11 on this San Diego Comic-Con wrap-up page. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So the, the, the desk is actually, it kind of resembles... Uh, it's his, like Vader, Vader's egg. Yeah, Vader's egg. I was going to say it's like his meditation chamber or whatever you call it. It's just called his egg. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I don't, I, I don't know if it would be something like if something actually comes down to close and keep you in the egg but you look at the at the lamp it's actually darth vader's helmet which is really cool that's awesome yeah that is really cool so i feel like the, there would be so many people with burnt scalps like myself included <laughs> just because you just wear it yeah just ah, 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 it's so cool but huh yeah. yes exactly. oh man i uh i guess they did also announce one thing that it, that we didn't include here because it's more like kind of book or comic book material mm-hmm. uh, at Comic-Con is that they are going to do a Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren limited Ooh. run comic series. Yes. So let's talk about that a little bit because I'm very excited. Yes. Uh, I mean, first of all, it's going to be like one of the first excursions we have of just Kylo Ren as a character, mm-hmm. which is something we desperately need, I yeah. feel like. Because I always bring back up the fact that like you know a lot of people give gripe to you know, the new movies basically because there's just no story development. Yeah. You know, and I mean, it, for what it's worth, they develop characters well enough. It's just you have to pay attention. Yeah. Well, it's know? funny. It's like 
I don't want to like make this into a big ten minute like debate or whatever, eh. but it's like I feel like that's what Lucas tried to do in the prequels. Yeah, but he was just like he a didn't hire the right people, mm-hmm. like the right actors. Yeah, and b it, like his scripting is just so kind of hard to work with. Yeah, like his screenplay that it just doesn't work. But, like, I feel like that is kind of what they do in the sequel trilogy. But it's great because, like, all the actors are really good. All the actors are really good. And they actually bring some, like, fervor to the characters. Yeah. I've always said, yeah, we yeah, we don't have to tell it all again. <laughs> Ewan McGregor is always going to be the greatest. But still. Right. Uh, I'm going to defend it if you're going to deny it. You know? No, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, trust me, Ewan McGregor is great. And I don't mean otherwise. No, I, don't I mean know. to suggest otherwise. I always just, I always get... I don't know. I guess personally attacked when we talk about the prequels. It was like, <laughs> but it's mine. You know, yeah. I don't know. I, that's my side of the story. But like I would just say, like I guess the point that I'm kind of making here is that like my favorite character mm. in the sequel trilogy is Kylo. Is Kylo? Well, I agree with that. Like I don't know if he's my favorite, but definitely like he's one I need to know more about. Yeah. Like Ray is. I like the idea that Ray is more of a mystery than anything else. Like that adds to her character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Finn. You know his character in and out. He was a stormtrooper, couldn't take it, and he just got the heck out of there when he could. Poe is Poe. Yeah, he's born a hot into shot. a military family. <laughs> right, he's a hotshot pilot, and you know, no bolt, you know, no nonsense fighter, and has to learn some self respect. Like all of Last Jedi is really just his character development. If yeah. you really, you know, break yeah. it down. And the same thing goes for like Kylo Ren too. Right. Well, actually, all the characters. What am I even saying? <laughs> but what I'm trying to get at is the fact that like Kylo Ren is not Ben Solo. Right. So but so it's like how do we go from Ben Solo to, to Kylo. Kylo Ren? Yeah. So yeah, and that's. I don't think they're actually going to approach this in the novel. I feel like more than anything else, they're just going to approach what the Knights of Ren are. Yeah. Which that's already another big deal they're going to be playing a big part in the rise of skywalker hopefully mm-hmm. but i mean it's just i don't know i just don't know i think <laughs> I, I i i really want some good conclusions to come out of this like i don't know i i i, well, I mean we already kind of know how like they gets disenfranchised with luke and everything but were there more jedi at the temple were the knights of ren other jedi What's the deal? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I have my theory. I won't get into it because, like, I think it's too niche. Like, because it's very, like, it's very book kind of book canon <laughs> heavy, I guess. Well, if you uh, if you want to hold on to it, like I said, we can. Well, well, I'll save it because I think there's even a chance that, you know, it could be something that we'll talk about in the run up to Rise of Skywalker. For sure. Yeah. Because, you know, we talked about doing like predictions and whatnot. So it might be something to hold on to. So I don't know. But uh, to add a little bit to it, uh, there's one more little piece of uh, news before we get into the big topic today, which was just kind of a cool little thing. Uh, Eva, like always, she sends me the coolest stuff, and uh, she sent me this really cool article about this uh, company called Arcade 1UP. And Arcade 1UP on Thursday said uh, it launched pre-sales for the Star Wars home arcade game through GameStop. The machine, which stands just over five feet tall, features original artwork, a light-up marquee, a full-color 17-inch display, and dual speakers. And this is like a legit cabinet for the most part. Yes. Land. (laughs) I forget. I think you were talking about... um, uh, or one friend, Andrew Fiak, he said he just he was like in the market for uh, you know to get like an arcade game or something like that for yeah. his basement. This is it. Yeah, I mean, we had a conversation on their show, you know, months back, 
about like uh, the top five you know favorite Star Wars games, at least for me, arcade games yeah. got to be in there, right? So. I guess this is like the so these are like the '80s games, yeah, uh, from Atari. Um, but those are pretty good games. I mean, they're they're kind of ruthlessly hard. Um, <laughs> yes, which for sure. is I mean the case of pretty much every arcade game. I guess honestly. Yeah, you try but, and go back and play any of these old games. Yeah. It's, it's unforgiving. Yeah, but I mean that seems like a pretty you know pretty solid deal. Like ultimately, you know, to get three games, a nice display cabinet, right? Um, in the whole shooting match for five hundred bucks. I mean, that's I mean, that's kind of a steal. Yeah, and I wonder if that's going to be one of those. Or at least I kind of hope that it could be one of those situations where it's kind of like the uh, uh, like the Nintendo Classic or Super Nintendo Classic, Genesis Classic, etc. Where like you know they kind of it's going to be kind of scarce at first, but yeah. hopefully they'll it'll have enough of a supply run that you know you can get one down the road and maybe you don't have to like pay three times the asking price for it. All I could say is I would like it to be something, you know, if, if this is akin to what we're doing right now is just getting all the Atari, uh, the Atari games in there, mm-hmm. maybe somewhere down the line they can have some kind of update. Yeah, it would be like the tri- like the 3D trilogy, mm-hmm. like or, the, the one that we, I think we specifically included on the, our list. Yes, it had all three movies and everything. Yeah. And then, uh, or like, <laughs> so, like, someday there is going to be like, the battle pod is going to come available. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I mean, that, forget about it. You know, we need, we need a, a lot of space for that. But... A registry is going to just have you know, you know, a new coffee maker, new microwave, battle pod. <laughs> yes, I don't think he was going to be happy about that. No, probably not. <laughs> but still, uh, you know, if anyone has a uh, five hundred dollars burning in their pocket and they're a Star Wars fan. Here you go. <laughs> Here you go, man. I mean, GameStop's the place to go when it comes to stuff like this anymore. Like, they're all about collectibles now. Yeah. So, uh, I would definitely give this a shot if I had the if I had the the income. Yeah, if I had the the space and the free cash, I would probably <laughs> I'd be uh, finding a, a a spot to store it. Ay ay ay. So, I don't know. It's just something cool I thought I'd bring up, and it just it kind of brings back memories. Like yes. like you said, we talked about it already on the games in that pod. Mm-hmm. Go back check that out if you like. It's a pretty nice uh, episode with uh, Brandon and Andrew and their show. Yes. And uh, yeah, I think we we were celebrating uh, May fifth that day, weren't we? Or well, was it May the fourth? Right. Yes. Sorry, I don't know why. It's... <laughs> Return of the fifth. La 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 la. Sorry, gang. Cuatro de cinco. <laughs> All right. Enough of you sprecking your Espanol over there. Uh, all right, sorry. Let's get into it. Let's talk a little bit of Alphabet Squadron. So, Alphabet Squadron is a book, a novel, a read. Uh, it is written by Alexander Freed. He's written a few other novels uh, in the Star Wars universe, Twilight Company. Yeah, uh, as well as the tie-in to the, the first, first Battlefront game. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so First EA Battlefront game. Right. Which... I will give some credence to it was actually kind of cool to, you know, learn a little bit of that side because it was more, I think the way I kind of described it in my head was like, it's, it's definitely a more grotesque look at the war in Star Wars Uh where it's like, okay, they get the blaster bolt and he's dead. Right. But this one, it's like actually discussing the viscera and the, and just the brutality. I feel, yeah. I feel like that's something that kind of carries into this book as well. Oh yeah. Um, It's a lot of like guerrilla like yeah. kind of tactics. Yeah, and it feels kind of very 
very ground level. It's not like you're following the, you know, the high end heroes who like literally have this like battle aura yeah. or whatever. They, 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 they are just untouchable more yeah. or less. Well, yeah. So uh, this recently came out, it came out June 4th, 2019. And uh, I mean, you and I both pretty much got it like as soon as we could. Yes. And I mean, I, like we were saying at the beginning, I think we were both kind of just like jonesing to talk about it. Yeah. So let's just go over the character list real quick of uh, the most notable characters. Do it. Right off the top, we have Lieutenant Erica Quell, who rides the X-Wing in Alphabet Squadron. Pilots. Pilots, rather. Sorry. <laughs> All right. What did I say? Ride? Ride. All right. God, I'm sorry. Just ride the rider. It's like this. I, I've seen it both times I've been to, to Disney Place this year. Um, <laughs> Disney Place. It's Check like, it out. It's like this like kid version of the Millennium Falcon. Ooh. But so it's not like, so the cockpit doesn't have like a door on it. But, yeah. So you can just like see Han and Chewie and they're kind of like these cartoony looking characters. Right. Like they would be riding the Millennium <laughs> Falcon. But Erica uh, Quell is piloting her X-Wing. I need one of those things that's like uh, the Penguin drove like the little mini Batmobile in the Batman Returns where he's yeah. just like, he has the digital screen. Just, that would be me in that yeah. little Millennium Falcon <laughs> thing. All right. Anyways, uh, Lieutenant Erica Quell, she is the main character of the story and she flies the X-Wing in Alphabet Squadron. Correct. Uh, then we have Chaz Nachatic, who flies the B-Wing, my mm-hmm. favorite. Uh, and then we have Nanth Tencent. Uh, I, I always had a hard time saying his name. It's kind of like mm. Nate, but it's like Nate. Yeah, it's Nath a, Tencent. Nath. It's like, so imagine saying Nathan almost, but it's like Nathan. And yeah. then take out the N and just, it's Nath. Yeah. Nath Tencent. He's, it's, just, uh, it's not a hard A sound. Yeah, and he, uh, he flies the Y-Wing. And we have Will Lark who flies the A-Wing, and uh, Kairos, who actually flies the U-Wing in the group, which is kind of surprising. But, I mean, it makes sense if they want to make this the Alphabet Squadron. Yeah. So these are the five pilots that make up Alphabet Squadron. And we'll, we'll get into the characters a little bit more, because I'm interested to hear what you have to say. <laughs> uh, and then the other two characters that are most notable in this is General Eris Ndula. Yes. Uh, from Rebels, Rebels fame. Rebels fame, yes, absolutely. And uh, a new addition uh, is his agent... Uh, Karen Aiden, yes, uh, who is a Balasar character, much like uh, a little certain sleazebag Otto that we know. Yes, and uh, Elon, Elon, my man, and uh, yeah, so he's kind of like a, he's actually Republic intelligence. He's kind of like a loyal, not a loyalty officer, but like he is like the actual like secret government kind of guy. Yes, and his whole spiel through the book essentially is he wants to get a working group of just ragtag people together and make things work. So, yes, uh, I don't. And so I guess, I mean, sort of the villains of the story mm-hmm. are. Uh, so Karen Aiden's whole objective is he's going after this specific prestigious uh, TIE, fighter, TIE group. fighter squadron called the 204th or the, uh, the Shadow. Shadow Squadron. Shadow Squadron. Yes. Which Shadow Squadron is apparently made up of like, I think I want to say like six different squadrons within itself uh-huh. the most notable one is the one that they follow in the tie fighter um uh the crossover or what's it yeah, called yeah well the comic companion comic yeah couldn't think of what the heck it was called yes the companion comic and uh what the heck so the uh i mean the shadow force essentially or shadow squadron i don't know how it actually it's it's squadron it's a squadron 
Uh, they're just so meticulous in the way they do things. Like they're one of the best squadrons in the entire empire, and they're still they're still functional after the Battle of Endor and everything like that. And you know they're just wreaking havoc on just random random targets. So <clears throat> if you uh, I don't know if you would like to do this or if you want me to do it. I did put a, a short synopsis on here to kind of give uh, some emphasis. Yeah, I can read that. Just give me one moment. Did they actually put the comic in there? Well, they put like a little sample of like the first couple of pages of the first one. Ah, well, I have to Try let to, you. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Remind me when we're done. I'll, I'll let you borrow the first few that I have. Um, and just lastly, who's the the command, like the overall commander of the Shadow Squadron uh, is Colonel Nares. Colonel Nares, right. But I forget her first name. Uh, it's, it's like sh- not Shakoa. Sh- I want to like call her Shakara. Shakarai, maybe. I don't know. Sakari. Either way, she has a better name that that she hates. That everyone yeah, calls nickname. her. It's grandmother. Yes. So she, she's a very elderly woman, but yeah, everyone hates her for, or she hates it when she says yeah. that. Um, um, but yeah. So I will read the synopsis. This comes courtesy of Google Books. Mm-hmm. On the verge of victory in a brutal war, five New Republic pilots transform from hunted to hunters in this epic Star Wars adventure. The Emperor is dead. His final weapon has been destroyed. The Imperial Army is in disarray. In the aftermath, Erica Quill is just one of thousands of defectors from her former cause living in a deserter's shantytown until she is selected to join Alphabet Squadron. Cobbled together from an eclectic assortment of pilots and starfighters, the five members of Alphabet are tasked by New Republic General Hera Syndulla herself. Like Erika, each is a talented pilot struggling to find their place in a changing galaxy. Their mission? To track down and destroy the mysterious Shadow Wing, a lethal force of TIE fighters exacting bloody, reckless vengeance in the twilight of their reign. The newly formed unit embodies the heart and soul of the Rebellion, ragtag, resourceful, scrappy, and emboldened by their most audacious victory in decades. But going from underdog rebels to celebrated heroes isn't as easy as it seems, and their inner demons threaten them as much as their enemies among the stars. The wayward warriors of Alphabet Squad will have to learn to fly together if they want to protect the new era of peace they fought so hard to achieve. Nice. Good job, man. Thank you. Uh, so, first of all, this is actually this the first... This has been my TED Talks. This has been your TED Talks. I'll take questions now. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Let's just start off with a simple question. What did you think of the book? I really like it. You really liked it? I think it's... Well, I don't know <laughs> exactly how high I would rank it. I mean, I feel like I've talked about this previously, that I used to not be a fan of the Aftermath books. Yes. But then, once I actually read the rest of them after not having like the first one, I've now actually grown to like them quite a bit. It made me a very happy man to say, yes. saying that. Because I was the same way. I kind of was like, nah, I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, you get pleasantly surprised. Yeah. You know. So it's like taken in, like, and I, and I don't think I could def- like say, oh, I liked this Aftermath book the most. Mm-hmm. So like as a standalone book, this might be my favorite so far. Really? Yes. Okay. Of the new Disney canon. Okay. Well, well, maybe actually, maybe the original new Thrawn book. Yeah, I that's mean, probably it, my favorite. It, because there's just it's just 
so good. Yes. And it's like you get to follow him as a hero versus as the enemy. Right. But regardless, I mean, I I guess I can kind of say I agree with you on that. Like, I really did enjoy the book, but like at times I felt it was all over the place. Which it was. Yeah. Because half the story, like, it, there are interludes in the book, not so much like they have in, in Aftermath, where it you know, goes to different planets and follows completely different characters like that, but it's like the interludes were told from the perspective of uh, this character that he, first of all, just called himself the Stranger, and then yeah. eventually went on to call himself, I think, Devin, was it right? Devin. Devin, right. So we'll just leave it at that, but... Uh, and then other times it actually followed the character of Grandmother, Colonel Commander Nares. Uh, and you know who is the leader of Shadow Squadron and whatever, and you know, and, and when those when those would pop up, I would kind of get confused. I would kind of lose my place because, like, I feel like there was always so much development going on for the five characters of the squadron that you had to know, and then they would just jump to a completely new, you know, part of the war. You're on the opposite side, you know, of the line now, and so I did I did struggle a little bit at times, but I still enjoyed myself. So. Yeah. No, and that's fair because it. Uh, so one of the kind of storytelling elements that this book does do a lot of silent cell phones. Sorry, gang. <laughs> um, is that it, it? Basically, like each chapter, you pretty much get at least a little bit with almost each of the five pilots of Alphabet Squadron. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it does feel like you don't get as much with Kairos. We'll kind of get into that maybe in a moment. Yeah. Um, and there are certain perspectives that come like either from Hera's perspective or Karen Aiden's perspective, as well as, as you were saying, the two Imperials that we kind of get to see. Yes. So, I mean, as the characters go, uh-huh. um, I mean, did you have a favorite that really spoke to you of the new squadron? Well, playing right along with my favorite class of ship (laughs) and this is just like who i view myself as is just like the eternally optimistic like good spirited yeah Yeah. friendly spirited i would say will lark is my favorite all right it's the a-wing pilot in other words yeah i thought will's story was actually pretty unique like he's the kind of he's the kind of hero you want to follow because he's just i don't apparently he lives on pandora yeah, something like this is, my, this is like our third <laughs> Avatar reference this episode. We're talking about Marvel forever. We might as well get an Avatar in yeah. there too. So what the hell? Uh, you know, so I liked his idea. Yeah, because it, it, on the world that he grew up on, it's like oh, I forget the name of the beasts, but essentially they had flying beasts that they rode. Yes, much like what they did in Avatar. Yes, and the the Empire essentially like left their planet alone for the longest time until they eventually built a like a weapons emplacement, mm-hmm. and thus like you know they weren't having that, and so every tribe on the planet sent exactly one pilot. Yes, to join the you know the rebels, and Will Lark was chosen amongst his people. Yes, so I always thought that was kind of interesting aspect to it. Personally, for me. It's actually more of a toss-up between Na- like Nath Tenzin and uh, Chaz the Chattic. Yes. Chaz the Chattic is obvious for a couple of reasons, basically, because I said I love the B-Wing. <laughs> I love hearing how it's described and like when yeah. it's flying and everything. Yeah, the flying mechanisms were awesome. It's ridiculous. Like, it's a great description it, in it, this book. It, you just see how much of a like ridiculous ship it is to fly. Yeah. You know, you're taste- <laughs> like every single piece of it moves, basically. <laughs> right, right. And not to mention the fact that like she's she would do exactly what I would do. It would be like, all right, the enemy is about... 500 meters ahead of us hold on i have to set my ipod up like yeah <laughs> her 
whole, find the right song. Right. Her whole spiel was like she couldn't go into battle unless she had some music playing. And I'm yeah. like, my girl. Like, I really wanted to be a part of it. I was like, I just, like, it, I had myself thinking, like, what would I listen to, you know, going into battle? Yeah. You know, I feel like, I, at the same time, I feel like, ironically enough, I would probably put on, like, Star Wars music. Yeah. You know, but she's it's talking about, yeah, she's talking about, like, uh, you know, Gamorrean rock metal and stuff like that and I don't know it's just it's kind of ridiculous you get to hear more of like the different music genres in the Star Wars history and everything and when that whereas Nath uh, Nath Tenzin comes in he's the Y-Wing pilot and Y-Wings are cool enough you know I've never been big on them but I do love Uh Y-Wings him as a character is very interesting now he started off as I think it's just uh, he's an Imperial officer yes and then he uh, he he defects early like after I think I it was after the first Death Star. Yes. Like, way after that. Well, no. Well, well no. It was, like... Way before It was the way before the events of this book. book. Right. Yes. I, which I, kind of comes into play <laughs> because... I mean, I guess this probably isn't really, like, a secret. This is kind of, like, a part of the premise that, like, Erica mm. Quell is part of the a sh- recent defector, defector who right. only defected after the second death star battle exactly and even at way after that too but we'll get we'll we'll kind of cover that but it's yeah. like essentially like he was the he was the uh the golden poster boy for that kind of stuff to happen and what happens is like he and his squadron of y-wings were uh essentially just uh, they were like decimated, I think it was, and then yes. he goes off on his own to this certain planet where he just offers well, to help the like, locals. Well, I think it was like reverse decimation. Oh, whoa! Like they killed everybody but him. But him, and then he was like, "Okay, well, I'm just going to go and use my status as a rebel pilot to help these people out uh-huh. and make a profit on the side." So he was like this shady like business guy. He had a great relationship with his uh, astromech, which I loved. Yeah. You know, I always love when there's stuff like that. And you learn more stuff about that yeah. too. Well so. and that's another like good kind of contrast <laughs> between like his character like being so kind of personal to his astromech and like Erica Quell who like she's just like I don't I don't know how to interact with this droid. It's just so ridiculous. And like there's one point where like the droid's trying to defend her and stuff like that and he's like, yeah. Why would he do that? And it's like because droids are sentient. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let, let's not beat around the bush. I, I, I well, think it kinda I do ooh, I want to do one ooh. thing uh, before we go away from like talking about chass. Okay. Okay. So I was reading this um, during my travels uh, like to San Diego then Oh to, man, you're getting pumped. Well exactly, no doubt. Um, <laughs> well in fact I was I was a little disappointed. I was when I was leaving Pittsburgh. I was hoping to get it, but they didn't have it at the bookstore at mm. the airport in Pittsburgh. Um, but I had a connecting flight in Chicago, and sure enough, like as soon as I get off the plane, like right on my way to my next terminal, there's a bookstore. There's a bookstore, and they had it. That's so I was, awesome. I was very excited about that. <laughs> it's the most I've paid for a book in a really long time. Oh, uh, right? I can imagine. <laughs> hey, they upcharge the heck out of it, right? Yeah, because there was like it was, you know, like I have like a Barnes and Noble membership or whatever. So yeah, I mean, even at that, it's like you get twenty percent <laughs> off of what they're already charging. Ugh. Um, just... And this was like full sticker. Oh um, yeah. But but anyway, so like one of my things was trying to think about the music that I heard in Galaxy's Edge and how it would relate to Chas and the selections that she made. Hmm. And I don't really have an answer to what anything was. <laughs> like I'm trying to imagine what Gamorrean like like rock metal, de- like yeah. screaming death metal yeah. or whatever. <laughs> ooh, ooh, well, actually, no, it's a funny it's a funny little uh, sidebar here. It's uh, the 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 novel Last Shot. Uh-huh. It's about like Han and Lando. Yes. 
there's a point where like they hire a pilot and he's like a young well it's a young kid uh-huh. they they don't identify like that's one of the distinguishing factors is that it's not a he or a she it's a they uh-huh. uh so i always like the fact that they're starting to include that kind of stuff you know what yeah. i mean but i always get tripped up by it but regardless this character listens to something along those lines of gamorian death metal uh-huh. and the narrator mark thompson being mark thompson uh there's one point where like Han sticks his head into the cockpit and all he hears is ooga 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 whatever like it's just like oh it, he's just listening to his you know Gaborian death rock or yes. whatever the whatever you want to call it yeah but yeah it was just like to imagine that and it's just like oh my god I mean, what if she's like a Lizzo fan you know it's and she's be. just up there being like truth hurts boop boop da, da, bang, da, bang, bang. I don't know that's my personal fantasy. I feel like I would be listening to Lizzo yeah. if I was shooting down Tie Fighters. Well, yeah, and like she, got, well, and there's definitely like certain elements that are like implied to be like more rap oriented. Oh yeah, yeah. Where it's like been hard out here in thirteen thirteen, man. You know, yeah. They're not throwing down zip codes. It's freaking like levels on levels. Coruscant. That's right. Twelve fifteen. You know. All right. All right. Sorry. Anyways, so. <laughs> I was going to say, let's not beat around the bush of Erica Quell. I'm, I think I'm going to go out on the limb and say that we both kind of disliked her. Yes. Okay. I, I didn't want to assume for you because personally I was like, I couldn't get on board with her. Although, well, so I guess I have mixed feelings about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, and I, I've seen this, I think I saw this like on Star Wars Reddit or whatever. Yeah. But there was like this kind of debate of like, so why does like Iden Versio like automatically get like fully integrated into New Republic stuff, mm-hmm. and like Erica Quell, who like seemingly comes over with similar credentials? I guess I guess it's Captain versus Lieutenant. Yeah, um, Captain Iden Versio, to be clear. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like there's kind of like this disconnect between like okay, so like basically Iden Versio like spends like two days in purgatory and then they're like oh no that's cool you're gonna fight for us great yeah but like Erica Quell is like literally never trusted at like any point well yeah so like the... even from a super compassionate <laughs> character like Hera that you know that I... so, like right off the bat was just like I don't know yeah I don't know about you yeah but yeah so I mean like to add to that so they they they, they make a, uh, a basis about like at the beginning of the book and this isn't really a spoiler or anything but uh, her and about 12,000 other, like, you know, refugees of, you know, the Empire, like, defectors, end up in this shanty town called, tra- it was uh, Trader's Remorse. Yeah. And um, essentially, it's just like, it's just this big camp that they just don't know what to do with people. Mm-hmm. Now, it could be something along the lines, if you want to really speculate on Aiden versus uh, Erica, it's just maybe, like, the circumstances of how they came to be defected i guess yeah because i feel like when it comes to Aiden and her story it's like okay well they they literally gave up their ship and everything and we're like we surrender and they took them in that way and they're mm. in space no matter yeah and this was also when cinder was still in effect right so then nah, where erica she crashed after trying to escape another part of operation cinder and thus ended up in traitor's remorse yes i won't go into much about that just because i know it's part of the plot yeah, that's a fairly significant plot point I yeah guess. i mean that's all you really need to know is that she was involved in cinder yeah and it's affected her and like that's a that affects her story in the long run but it's like 
she has like she has all these interactions plus the ITO interrogator droid. Yeah. Was kind of cool. Like yeah. he was kind of like a butt, you know, most of the time, but it was like yeah. he's like a good butt, you know. Yeah. Kind of reminded me of uh K2SO in a yes. sense, like a floating Absolutely. K2SO. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's exactly the way it was written. Oh, for sure. But yeah, I mean to to add to that and everything like that, the ITO droid was supposed to be like her her therapist and just kind of see if she's ready for fitness and whatnot and it's like Erica just didn't have the right style. Right. You know, and I think when it, you look at the rest of the crew, uh, you know, Chaz, the Chaddick, uh, Will Lark, and like Nath Tenzin, and it's like these people are not so much rambunctious, but they have that rebellious sense to them. Right. You can tell like one's a pirate, one's a music lover, and the other one just wants to fly, but like they all want the freedom. Yeah. Whereas Yerika comes from a group of people who were just known for flying you know in straight formation not doing anything unpredicted yeah, just no ruthless efficiency right no improvisation it's just you have to follow order yeah and i think it's throwing her through a loop now to that end i feel like you know with her character and like how the way the book goes and everything like that i feel like the new books that come out afterwards like the second and third of the trilogy that's supposed to come out of these well that's Spoiler alert. Oh, sure, sure. I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's not a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, everyone kind of knows about that. I think we told it as much. But, like, I kind of hope that they, they're able to give her a little more depth. I don't right. Know. Well, I think, and I mean, I imagine that's kind of part of the point is that they didn't, they didn't want to move her too far in this story. Yeah. Because, I mean, actually, I don't know that we touched on the fact that it is going to be a trilogy. Yeah. Well, uh, I feel like we said it a few i mean all right, it might have been months ago like when yeah, they first announced the book yeah but regardless it's gonna be a trilogy anyway yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah I don't think we've talked about it today anyway okay but, yeah sorry uh, yeah but so that's exciting to me and I, I think that's partially why i'm like okay this like unlike aftermath where like i really didn't care for the first book yeah and like it it basically caused me to not read it until like we were well, like read the other two stories until we were well <laughs> into doing this podcast. And I mean, like I said, I'm happy you did. Yeah. But like now I'm kind of like, okay, I liked this and they're doing more. So now I'm like, you're pumped. Yeah. Like the, the, the train is uh, gaining momentum. Well, uh, I like beside, all right, we, we'll, we'll, why don't we save Kairos for last in the way of like characters and whatnot? That's fine. Uh, we know, we know a, a butt ton about Hera right now. Yes. You know, we already know so much from her time in Rebels and everything like that. She is now General Syndulla. Yeah. She has command of her own ship and everything like that. And it's Which, a, it's a far, so go ahead. I have a comment about that because she does make the rank of general during the course of Rebels. Right. And in Rogue One as well. Yes. As we know. Yeah. Cause they, they call for General Syndulla. Yeah, Syndulla. 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 As Thrawn would say on Rebels. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so it's like I'm kind of impressed that it's been you know you know probably five years or so now, Give or take, yeah, roughly from like the events of Rebels at least to post Operation Cinder, right? And she's still general, like she's not admiral or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, and again, like I've talked about this before, that like I guess if like if we think about it in like earthbound context mm-hmm. she would be a general of the air force probably maybe yeah because that's how it's organized in the air force right whereas that would be separate from the navy which would be which admiral, would be an admiral grand admiral as right. they go in the books and whatnot. yes um it's yeah I and mean, they're also still establishing the new rules and everything too yeah. so for all she knows she's like i've had this distinguished honor you know 
thrusted upon me, and like now I'm super grand yeah. general or something yeah. like that. Bombad general. Bombad. I'm bombad general. <laughs> <laughs> um, this this one's coming out a little late. Oh god! And I, I, I kind of wanted to send out like a little thing on our Facebook page, and I was just gonna say hello, boys. Hello. <laughs> Uh, well, we'll get there, man. I mean, you can still say it. I don't care. I just might. We'll get our we'll get our points across. But yeah, so I mean, I, she still had the same charisma that she had in the show. Yeah, still the same, like you know, just go for it attitude and, and like kind of like maternal instincts. Instinct. Yeah. yeah, the same thing she brought to the show. To so they actually like brought up. Um, there's a there's a quote on the back of the book where she's in a she has a conversation with Erica Quell. I don't know if you actually want to read it to kind of. D- tell who they like the difference or not sure it's a short synopsis so uh yeah. take it away andrew so this is so how well do you know your squadron general Sindula asked well enough quell wanted to answer but she knew it wasn't the reply the general was looking for i've read their profiles i've talked to aiden's droid and gotten its opinion i've participated in all right you're not the eats with the pilot sort of commander let me put it this way you know your squadron will fight, but will they fight for you? Quell said nothing. Do they know that you'll fight for them? Right. So that's what I love about this. Like they, I mean, that's like I said, that's pure Hera. She's yeah. just that inspirational character, and she's able to just get to the crux of like Quell's character too. Yes. Because like we already said as much that Quell's just she's just uniform. She knows the rules and everything yeah. like that, and she just wants to fly. When she finally gets the chance to do it, she's like, "What's going on?" You know, yeah. she can't handle it. Right. So, but I just love that de- that determining factor where it's like, if you want to make things work, you have to like make it work with your squad. Like these are the people who are going to depend on you. Yes. And yeah, so you can't follow this like imperial indoctrination thing <laughs> where like you're just going to all become mindless automatons. Yeah. Which I mean that that actually adds a lot of like crazy credence to it because you think yeah. about it like. So many different like tie pilots just up and die. Yeah, where it's and like, I, yeah, it's just one more out of the machine. Yeah, and that's just one of those developments that's like so likable about the rebels, right? And that, that I do think has been portrayed well, like literally on the show Rebels, <laughs> but also like in Rogue One, in uh, you know, in in other books that we've seen, like like the, kind of like the the motley crew that. Uh, is portrayed in the aftermath books as much as anything. Right. They're all from different sides. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And like, it's just like, you know, there, there's just so much personality versus like (laughs) this. We're just going to beat the personality out of you basically. Right. Well, so let me ask you, uh, your opinion on, uh, Karen Aiden. Okay. Uh, Mr. Balasar, sir. Uh, cause personally I felt like I never kind of, I always, well, all right, I'll just say this. I kind of expected him to be darker than he was. Like, I don't know. I, I In the sense of, like, his, his motivations would be much more nefarious. Yes. But, I mean, obviously he's just trying to find his place. So, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, how would you describe it? Well, he yeah, he was a... I mean, I guess, on one hand, like, he fits the bill of being this, like, intelligence professional that, like, you just don't get Yeah. Him. Like, his motivations are not understood. And, like, even at the end, I was like, like, I couldn't, like, actually tell if he was an important character or not. Right. Well, yeah, because Hera basically supersedes him. Yeah. 
like, like, I mean, there's like this certain point where it's like I get the sense that Alexander Freed had written like up to the point where Hera is introduced. And then he was told, yeah, you can use Hera. That's fine. Oh, yes. And he just goes in there and, <laughs> and it's then like, he's Karen. like, all right, Karen Aiden. Not that important. Not that important. And then, like, Hera's like, I could take your squad anytime I want. Yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, But, like, but it is kind of compelling <laughs> that, like, you know, you don't understand his motivations and you don't really know what exactly he's going for. I mean, there's certainly a lot of moments where, like, you get the sense that he's literally, like, you know, Erica Quell is the leader of Alphabet Squadron. Right. And, like, it seems like all he's trying to do, and, like, he would have nothing without her. And basically all he's trying to do is, like, bring her down. That's that's, that's the other side of it, too. Like, the entire time that they work with each other, him and Erica, Erica Quell, they're just fighting. Yeah. Like, it's back and forth. Like, Quell just wants to prove herself. She wants to fly. Like, she just wants to fly for the rebellion. Whereas, like, Karen Aiden's just like, all right, you've got to prove yourself to me, but I still don't trust you. You did great, but I don't trust you. I can't believe you're so good at your job, still don't trust you. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe that's just part of being, that's you know, an intelligence. That's what spook is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, it's just, I mean, it's just kind of, you know, it, it was kind of hard to tell whether I liked or disliked his yeah. character. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and speaking of, you know, we talked about how we don't really like Erica. Yes. And, like, I mean, we never reach a point where we don't like where we truly like her no i, mean, I don't anyway but i, I mean I, I feel like that might be intentional i think it is and yeah. that's what i was saying earlier but yeah. like karen aiden i'm like there's there's not one line of like redeeming <laughs> dialogue that he has where i'm like ah maybe you're a good guy yeah after all. well there's even the point when like nath tenzin's brought into the fold where it's uh-huh. like oh man like it's as soon as he's brought into the in between like erica and uh and uh karen aiden it's like like Nath is the go-to guy now, yeah. And like, no matter whatever kind of situation gets set up, Nath just like dismantles it real quick with like a snappy jest or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. I mean, I guess that's one of the <laughs> things that I kind of struggle with is like, and I guess it feels very real, like it feels very authentic. Yeah. But like, there's sort of this vibe where the actual, you know, the, the actual Alphabet Squad members don't. Like I don't know that they always come together all that well. Like, no. Their motivations don't always actually make that much sense. Like, like Chas and Will have a very different background story to the other three pilots. Right. Um. You know, the other three are kind of like specifically recruited by Karen Aiden. Yes. But the other, but Chas and Will are just like, oh yeah, like they're stranded. Everybody else died, so like <laughs> we need guys. Yeah. Come on over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we won't go into detail, and we don't want to right. spoil I'm not, yeah, too much. Not to spoil it. But I mean, that's the crux of like the everyone's motivation is essentially that they're like the last of their squad. Yeah. And it's like there you go. For the most part, anyways. Yeah. For the majority of the members in the group, but. Let's talk about the last member. Yes. Uh, a little mysterious character named Kairos. Who was apparently a mummy. Right. <laughs> All right. So and like, like the name Kairos, like kind of it looks sounds like, like Cairo. Yeah, like exactly. Egypt. So I had the hardest time trying to figure out what the spiel is with Kairos. Yes. Now, Kairos is basically introduced as just this tall, slender figure with like a faceplate on and like these just rags, basically, that she yeah. wears. And she just never talks. She never speaks. And the only way that she communicates on the radio is just by, like, electronic bursts. Yes. So that's already weird to think that, like, this is going to be a functioning squad. Like, they're supposed to be out there, like, hunting yeah. down the Shadow Squadron. And yet, like, the one person you need to communicate with the most probably because, like, they're going to be transporting the goods. Right. 
just goes doesn't yeah, yeah like that's the extent of their their conversations <laughs> that's it yeah. like just a little static and it's like come on yeah but i mean i you know erica said as much in the thing was like okay we established this set of like you know different radio transmissions that mean like oh yeah yes no maybe so whatever yeah. but like i feel like there's you know if you if you follow like the original trilogy mm-hmm. and like the kind of communications equipment that was available then like it doesn't seem like that would be effective. Like it would just be like, is that random noise or is that Kairos? That's also <laughs> true. Yeah. Like, especially, yeah. Listen to a new hope. And when they're talking about, you know, cut the chatter red too. Yeah. some on the surface, some on the tower, but it just sounds like it. You know, you're speaking yeah. through a passing fan. through the uh, magnetic field. Yeah. Yeah. Switch your deflectors on. Yeah. So that's how it goes. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I, I liked her character basically yes. because she was just that mysterious yeah. and like he just didn't know what she was going to do. Uh, and, you know, the fact that it's a U-Wing that can keep up with the rest of these ships. Mm-hmm. I just like the fact that they bring the U-Wing back into the fold. Yes. Like they make it that much more of a malleable ship. Yeah. You know, so it's interesting to see that. And I mean, who could know, I mean, who would have guessed it? It's just like that's the kind of character they're going to go for. Yeah. Yeah. There's something um, like... I, this might be a, a not. This is just like my own head cannon or whatever. Yeah. But like, kind of talking about Kairos's like f- face shield. Yes. I almost get this vibe that it kind of looks not that dissimilar from like what Enfys Nest wore. Right. Like yeah. Honestly, yeah. I mean, for the most part, it's just a straight slit in the middle uh-huh. with maybe like like a red dot in the middle. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, think just... it talked about having even like apertures like. Kind of on the back side, like almost like ears or horns or something. Much like what Emphasis had, the, the, the big headdress. Yeah. So that's believable. And like, I wonder if there's like a connection there somehow or other. Because like, yeah. we know that Emphasis Nest is fighting because like her people have been fighting since the beginning. Yeah. Like they were one of the for, like forefronts of the rebellion. Yeah. Because as much I, I've said as much in the in the solo uh, novel. Mm-hmm. Solo a Star Wars story, not solo a Star Wars story novel. Sorry, gang. Uh-huh. Uh, the the epilogue involves uh, Saul Guerrero uh-huh. making a pact with Emphasis. Uh, right. So you know that's that's all going to happen. Yes. Oh man, it's so crazy to think how connected this crap is. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I just out of the whole group and everything like that, it's just it's it's incredible that. They're able to do what they do in this book and like actually make it satisfactory. Yeah. You know, so I'll personally say that I think that like this probably wasn't my favorite this year. Uh-huh. It was my most anticipated. Yeah. But probably not as good as I thought it was going to be. Now, I, I think I was holding it up with the annals of like, you know, the aftermath books and just thinking like, oh, it's just going to go right for it and just start running for it, you know, full, full foot ahead. And then you just started to have to keep remembering stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it relies a lot on uh, recognition. You know, it's like, you know, it's just, you got to keep your ear to the ground and you yeah. know, know, what you, know what they're talking about. Yeah. And I actually, I, I, I'm not saying, like, it, this is kind of going into, like, how how we as humans learn or something. But, like, I wonder if there's something that kind of ties a little better between, like, you know, it's so like I read the book. Right. I presume you listen listened to the book. Because the book. I drive. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. No, I trust me, I get it. Yeah. And like, I mean, and I had long stretches where I could, you know, I was on planes for hours and hours. Yeah, and, perfect opportunity. Yeah. Um, but so, like, I wonder if that actually helped my kind of remembering how to connect the dots. 
a little easier than maybe it was for you. Most likely, just because you were able to like follow along with it. Yeah, I won't. I won't bad mouth the narrator because I never like bad mouthing narrators of you know audiobooks or whatever. I mean, unless they really deserve it. But Saskia Marvelad. Saskia Marvelad. Yeah. Is that who's? That's who did this one. All right. Well, first of all, I. That's why I didn't know the name because I do. It's not January Lavoy. It's not yeah. Mark Thompson. It's like, it's Sas- Sasquatch. You know, Bagano. Whatever you say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. All, I'm, all I'm trying to say is that like it just her narration doesn't have the same flair as most others do. do. And like even like Jonathan Davis, like he has a good narration, but it's subtle. Like it's 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 definitely a little more deadpan than most other people. Uh-huh. But hers, but it was just kind of hard to follow along. And like that's what I was saying. Like there would be points where I'm listening along, and all of a sudden it goes from the rebellion side to the imperial side. And it's like, when did this happen? Yeah, you know, or like we're we're following this stranger Devin, and it's like, wh- who? What? Yeah. Devin? Yeah. What? You know. By and large, his chapters were totally isolated yes like they were just his perspective for the whole chapter but that was kind of confusing and i mean i will say that actually was a twist to me up until the end yeah i thought it was going to go a different way i just like i i really couldn't make sense of it because like i when it actually happened like when they got to the you know the the, yep i mean the end let's just put it that way that whatever the twist may be you know we'll leave it there i i didn't expect it Uh but i liked it yeah, it was kind of redeeming for me. It was like I just didn't know what to do with this character or whatever, and it's mm. just like now it all makes sense, and it kind of adds that like what's going to happen next. It gives you that cliffhanger feeling, so yes. that's I'm excited about. And plus, the story itself gets the cliffhanger. You know, it's not just the epilogue itself. It's just right. Yeah, I the don't whole know. the whole story kind of ends oh. in the you know it, it sets up well. I think mm-hmm. uh, you know for the continuation of the story and. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, like, I guess what I liked is that to me, the, like, the combat sequences were super strong. Yes. And, and that's what I really liked. I mean, cause that's what I love about like the X-Wing books. Like, cause they don't really spend that much time. Like they don't actually spend that much time developing the characters. Like, yeah, some of it's like goofy. Like we talked many Gamor- a time on this show about the Gamorrean X-Wing pilot. Piggy. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and other like just weird characters, characters, right? But like they don't really get that much FaceTime necessarily. Like no. it's mostly just them as pilots. You hear their call signs, I yeah. Bet. yeah. And like, and when this book is hitting on all cylinders, like that's all it is. And there's a lot of be- like action sequences. Oh yeah, no, I mean it, there's there's no they shortage don't skip of it. Out. Yeah, because most of the time it's it's describing how the characters end up where they are and like uh-huh. just their their situations that they end up in yeah and adding to the story itself but that was going to be like probably my last question was going to ask you is like how does this stack up from what you know of like x-wing novels because you always talk about the x-wing series and everything like that and how great it is i have yet to get to it myself but i know a lot of people i talk to that are novel fans they put that up as probably one of the best series out there yeah no absolutely i mean i don't know that it's quite on that level mm-hmm. i mean part of it is like there's not i mean even with Hera involved in this story like it's yeah. not like it's not a lot of super relatable characters yeah like it's not like oh wedge antilles yes <laughs> yeah you were expecting to hear a name right yeah. yeah i mean it's like what where's the visual for big's dark lighter yeah you know i mean like what's the what's the what's the deal yes so yeah um you know so it's, it's not quite on that level and there is a lot of the kind of like 
backstage stuff and mm-hmm. like i mean you know facetime with the characters like you were when, saying yeah yeah when they're actually just hanging out in the pilot's briefing room and stuff that's impossible even for a droid <laughs> it's not impossible <laughs> i used to want bullseye womp rats with my t16 less than two meters high yeah and then all of a sudden it's just like who's this <laughs> yeah. excuse me he's not wearing orange yeah <laughs> Like, what if that guy stood up in there and was just like, excuse me, seriously? Yeah. This is what we have to work with? Fake wedge. <laughs> yeah. I knew he, all right, yeah, I knew he had a story. Dang it. Okay. All right, well, you know, that makes me excited that you kind of agreed with that. Because like, yeah. I, said, I, like I said, I said, I've heard nothing but good things about it. And a number of people who were excited about this book were already big fans of the X-Wing series. So it's kind of a yeah. going back to roots kind of feel. Yeah. And like, I think that's another part of it just for me. Is yeah. That, like, it feels more like what I'm kind of used to right. in a Star Wars story. Okay. Uh, book. I agree with that. Novel. I mean, I agree with that yeah. as much as I can, like I said. But I... Um, Scale one to five, what do you give it? I'll give it a four. You give it a four? Yeah. I'm going to be less than generous. I'm going to give it like a 2.8. That <laughs> sounds bad. That's very specific. All right. I, I'll give it a three. I'll keep it right in the middle. Oh, it's not my you favorite. Know, don't change it on account of me. I'm just saying. I know. I'm rounding up for yeah. you know, to make things simpler for everybody. Let's just go for a three out of five for me, four out of five for you. Yes. Regardless of our scores, I would definitely recommend this book. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it's just another fun time in Star Wars. Well, yeah. One thing I'll say, like, I think compared to like Master and Apprentice, and even now, um, Thrawn Treason is out. Which mm-hmm. maybe we'll spend just a moment on Thrawn Treason before we say goodbye. Oh yeah. But um, this is a longer book. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like almost four hundred fifty pages. Versus versus sorry, about three like, hundred ish. Wow. Like, I think the new Thrawn is only like is like three thirty or something. Yeah, and I, I think uh, Master and Apprentice was pretty short. Yeah, I mean compared to I mean I I I see the books side by side. You can tell yeah. that there's just there's just not that much yeah. there. <laughs> but I mean yeah. yeah, you know that much about that much more about the other characters in those books. And this is one of those books where it's like you have to introduce the characters to give a little yeah, bit of backstory. You have to tell stories for you know, all of them. It's one thing to put Han and Leia and Luke in a book and like try and give them exposition. And it's like we know this. Yeah, but then you introduce a person that you just don't know anything about. Yes, but they saved themselves some times with Ky- uh, Kairos. So they're just like, meh, just put her in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she won't talk. She can't really communicate other than pictures. So and she's really good at hand hand combat. Yeah, you better see her behind the stick of an X wing or uh, U wing. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'll be I'll be excited to see where the uh, the follow up goes. Yeah. Squadron. So I'm curious what the like naming convention will be for it moving forward. <laughs> the second one. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I always wanted just to be something super, it's like super simple. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So check it out, Alphabet Squadron. It's been out for a good month now, and uh, I mean, I've heard nothing but good things from everybody else who's done reviews and everything like that. So definitely check it out. Check out Google Books. Check out Barnes and Noble. Check out uh, you know Apple iTunes and stuff like that for the audiobook or Audible wherever you get them. Uh, you know, it's always a good choice. Now. Uh, real quick before we do sign off, you got Thrawn Treason. I did. I didn't, and I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be getting it this week, so yeah. trust me. But how far in have you gotten? Well, so I think I just said it was about 330 pages, and I think I'm right around 70 pages in. Wow, you dive deep. Yeah, uh, it took me like well, it was actually, and it's funny because like it 
the first two times I tried to like kind of sit with it, I was like laying in bed mm-hmm. and I was not getting anywhere. Oh no! You but then but then yesterday on Sunday afternoon, I just had some time. I I just went out and sat on my deck <laughs> and just like took it in for a while, and then all of a sudden it just started flying. And every next thing you know, it's like dinner's ready. It's like what? Yeah. You know, yeah. it was just twelve <laughs> o'clock. What's what's going on? <laughs> Pretty I, much. Yeah. I mean, I, it was it was really nice. And I, I mean, and so that tells you. <laughs> I think where my thoughts are on it right now. Oh, well, um, for sure. And I mean, I think I showed you the article uh, from a couple of weeks back where they showed an excerpt uh-huh. uh, from the book as well as like an audio excerpt from the audio book, which I'm going to get. I'm excited about that. And it's just a, it's a conversation between Thrawn, um, Orson Krennic, Governor Tarkin, Palpatine, and one other Grand Admiral. I can't remember the guy's name. Savit. Savit? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've already read that. Okay. Now. Which I love that that yeah. little excerpt because it's like it shows how much pressure is being put on Krennic from yeah. like all sides, and yes. it's just it's that much more hilarious. Yeah. But uh, I'll be excited to see how it comes out, and we're gonna have to come back and do another review on this. And yes. we've already said as much. It's like it's funny because we skipped the middle book. Yeah. You know, we skipped right over alliances, and yeah. it's like, well, maybe we should go back and do that. So yeah, sometime yeah. in the future, we're probably gonna do a double review. Yes. With like a mini review of. Alliances, Alliance, yeah. with a full review of treason. Yes, so it'll be exciting. But I'll tell you what: uh, next, our next episode is going to be our one-year anniversary. Yes, that's right. I'm excited about it. I'm very excited about that. Uh, I wish we could say we were doing something super splintiferic and saying, you know, we're going to be recording live from you know Galaxy's <laughs> Edge or something like that. But it, you know, maybe not this year. Maybe next yeah, year. Yeah, maybe next year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about next year though. Either. But we're going to try and bring a few uh, of our guests back on, and uh, we're going to go over some Star Wars predictions. Yes. And uh, basically predictions of uh, Episode Nine, and just kind of lay the groundwork and see where everyone thinks about it, and yeah. just kind of go from there. Yeah, I, th- I think that'll be exciting. Uh, as I kind of mentioned last week, um, you know, we are going to begin our road to the journey to Episode Nine, the <laughs> Rise <laughs> of Skywalker. Skywalker. Um, our rise to the rise of Skywalker. Yes. Um, so kind of after we've done this one year kind of recap, that's kind of, we'll just be jumping right into that as well. So, yeah. So um, it's going to be exciting. Yeah. So exciting times for us. Oh man. It's like I said already, it's like, I just, we've already got a couple laid down. We're going to keep going and just kind of pre-record these and get them ready for everybody. But it's like, I'm excited for it. Yes. I had so much fun recording the first two, and I'm excited for the next two, basically because they're just going to be two big ones. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how it's played out. And then we just hope that we can uh, provide some more good information for everybody and more entertainment, you yes, know? So absolutely. I hope everyone was enthralled. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed us doing a little uh, dissertation on Alphabet Squadron, again, by Alexander Freed, if I haven't said that enough already. <laughs> Uh, and go out and give it a shot for yourselves and uh, you know check out some of our old ep- older episodes if you don't feel like listening to book reviews it's agreed to shot first at Apple Podcasts Reggie'sHousePodcast.com while you're there please check out Games and App Podcasts as well as Rust Belt Risters and you know just give us a like and a listen and subscribe and tell a friend let that friend tell another friend and soon and later we'll have a hundred friends or something or something or something but regardless like every time we come through here dude I had a great time did you have a good time? It was a boring conversation anyway. I bet it was. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs>